0: Hey everybody, it's Matt. As we kick off this episode of Growing Greater, let's thank the team at Carroll Engineering. With nearly 100 professionals and more than 45 years of experience, Carroll Engineering has earned their reputation as one of the largest consulting engineering firms in greater Philadelphia. The Carroll team consistently exceeds client expectations by being responsive, reliable, and professional while adapting to the evolving needs of their clients. With corporate headquarters in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, the Carroll team delivers a wide range of services that include water facilities engineering, planning and site design, landscape architecture, and so much more. Carroll Engineering is one of the preeminent partners in the civil and municipal engineering industry. Learn more at carrollengineering.com. That's CarolEngineering.com. Stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11 county community of Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern
1: Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry.
0: This region has emerged as a unique location where you can have ready access to abundant and affordable and efficiently delivered resources.
2: We also, in the Philadelphia region, we have a great diversity of energy assets.
0: I was having a conversation with my colleague and he mentioned that during the recession, this industry was the only industry that was growing, and pretty much we single-handedly had taken us out of the recession because of this abundance of natural gas. And so that's huge. Right? That's another huge thing we got to really ponder about. Like, wow, think about that. Had we not had that, where would we be today? Welcome to the fifth installment in our special series focused on the energy sector. We're producing this in partnership with our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia's Energy Action Team, also known as G.P., In this segment, our final in this GP series, we connect with two experts who put an extra fine point on how our region's infrastructure is impacting everything from distribution channels and cost to access and job creation, ultimately driving economic growth. After conducting several of these energy-focused interviews, we've learned that we can't simply rely on just one source of energy. We need collaboration and from across different sectors in order to access clean, safe, affordable, and reliable energy. Ginger Richmond and her team at NJR Energy Services, they understand just how important having this access to safe and reliable energy actually is. And here, Ginger shares with us just what NJR does.
1: NJR, we're an energy infrastructure business. We have five primary subsidiaries and businesses in the energy industry. We have natural gas distribution. We have energy marketing. We have home services that provide services for home comfort. We also have clean energy ventures that provide solar energy and renewables in New Jersey, as well as NJR Midstream.
0: You guys are busy. We are busy. And I know this is going to sound really elementary, but the NJ stands for New Jersey Resources, right? Yes, it does. Excellent. And, you know, one of the things that I often uh, am fond of kind of positioning around energy in general is this notion that we generally as a community take it for granted. We don't realize how fortunate we are to have the energy assets in our communities that we do until there's some sort of interruption. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now what? And then you realize how much you rely on the energy partners in all of our communities to supply access to safe, affordable, reliable gas, electricity that, to your point, they heat our homes. They make our lifestyles much more comfortable and productive. They allow our businesses to operate in much more efficient ways and produce products that people need and that companies are able to produce and create jobs and economic vibrancy. And that whole notion of we take this stuff for granted is kind of a theme that, that I often cause people to stop and think about a little bit more. Is that something that happens in your world as well?
1: Absolutely. I think, as you said, it is something that's just taken for granted and people don't have the understanding of how it gets from where it's produced to how it gets to you know your home and your business to be able to flip on that light. And you know, there it is, as you said, or be able to have warmth in your home. And there is an entire infrastructure across the United States, across Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. you know, that brings that energy to the consumer.
0: Right. And that infrastructure that you just referenced and, and this notion of access to safe and reliable energy that I was referencing a moment ago, your team at New Jersey Resources actually has a vision for something called the Adelphia Gateway Project. And I was hoping you could share with us how your team is reimagining this asset and what it is and and what you're doing to make it even better.
1: Right. Absolutely. With the Adelphia Gateway Project, we will be bringing in about 250,000 decatherms of gas per day via transportation on our pipeline. And that will serve up to 250,000 homes in the area. In addition, Kimberly Clark is located in Chester City, Delaware mm-hmm. County. Yeah. They're manufacturer here in the lower Philadelphia area. And they will be a customer and are converting over a coal generation plant mm-hmm. over to clean burning natural gas. And with that, they'll be able to be keeping 600 jobs in the area. They currently employ those number of people there, as well as they will be reducing their greenhouse gas emissions. So this is a big part of their energy initiative. They'll be reducing the greenhouse gas emissions by 300,000 tons per year when that facility is converted over.
0: Wow, that's no small feat when you think about the impact of a cleaner burning type of facility and how it has a ripple effect on the surrounding environment. And I want to put a fine point on that. But before I do, Ginger, I want to talk a little bit about timeline. And it's general. I don't want you to get specific. We're not going to hold you to exact <laughs> dates, right? But just to help folks appreciate, you referenced the 600 jobs that are being essentially saved by this new infrastructure. You referenced the enhancement to the environmental impact that a coal burning code generation type of facility has had and now will be enhanced because of a cleaner burning natural gas access type of facility. And just so folks are aware, Kimberly Clark is a global paper manufacturer that makes all kinds of different kinds of paper products. And they happen to make very significant paper coming out of the Chester, Delaware County facility that employs those 600 folks. It used to be a Scott paper facility mm-hmm. that you would reference, Ginger, and has been part of the Kimberly Clark family, I think, since the mid-90s or so. So, timeline, how long does something like this take place, and when would we expect to see, roughly speaking, a facility convert from a coal burning cogeneration to a, a natural gas fueled facility?
1: I guess, kind of the process from a Delphia perspective, we filed for our FERC certificate over a year ago, last January. Yeah. Going through that process, we anticipate getting our FERC certificate. Either April, May, and it'll take about six to nine months worth of construction to do that. And then we'll be ready to serve Kimberly Clark and the others. So their time frame is probably late 2019, 2020 to be able to have that facility converted.
0: Wow, that's actually really impressive and much more timely than I think right. the average consumer would expect.
1: Right. And I yeah. think Kimberly Clark did start their process and you know, with their initiatives and their things a while back as well.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. And I really appreciate you sharing with us what I would call a really tangible example of how an investment in infrastructure that's being made by a private company like New Jersey Resources is having an impact. And I want to parlay this part of the conversation into other kind of initiatives that your team is involved with, because it really dovetails perfectly And I'd love for you to talk with us more about this clean energy ventures that you're investing in as an organization.
1: Yeah, with that, I guess we really feel, you know, energy is essential to our economy, to our lifestyle in everything that we do. Yeah. You know, natural gas is an important part of that mix, but we do know that that energy landscape is changing. Mm -hmm. And so really as a corporation and as a company, you know, we had that vision about six years ago Mm -hmm. that energy landscape was going to change. And we started up NJR Clean Energy Ventures. Okay. And at that time, I'm investing in home and commercial industrial solar installations to Mm. provide solar energy to our customers.
0: That's really smart to be thinking about how do we diversify and how do we adapt to what we're hearing, to your point earlier, to what we're hearing from our customers. Because consumers, whether they're businesses or individuals, they want to embrace a clean energy space. So for us as an industry to not listen to the customer doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So it's really smart for NJR to embark on this, what I would call very structured approach to clean energy by creating this clean energy ventures kind of unit or initiative or policy within the organization. And I'd love for you to expand a little bit on that and talk about the balance of how fossil fuel, traditional energy access like gas complements supports and allows for the growth of renewables like solar or other kinds of assets that may not be part of the NJR platform today, but could be as things evolve.
1: Absolutely. You know, as we mentioned, as clean energy becomes a bigger part of our mix, Mm -hmm. you know, natural gas provides that bridge fuel, and it also provides that safe, reliable fuel when renewables are intermittent, Mm -hmm. right? I guess if you think of renewables, you think currently of wind, well, the wind doesn't blow 24 hours a day, right. 365 days a year. And same thing with solar, right? The sun doesn't shine all of those times either. So really by being able to bring in clean natural gas as another fuel mix for electric generation over coal or some other fossil fuels, then it does allow us to broaden the scope and have more options available. And mm-hmm. I think it provides that bridge and that opportunity You know, while we investigate, test, test, And new technologies, I guess, drive other potential clean energies.
0: Very impressive. So, Ginger, I want to shift here just for a moment, and I don't want to oversimplify this, but this notion of looking at an asset like an existing pipeline and converting it for new use is really brilliant. And I'd love for you to take us into... Kind of the planning and strategy room with your team at NJR, how did this idea come about? Is it something that's been on the drawing board forever and people were like, how do we make it happen? Or did somebody come in one day and say, hey, I have, have a great idea?
1: You know, it was a little bit of a mix. As I mentioned before, a lot of NJR, you know, we listen to our customers. And so we do serve natural gas as NJR Energy Services in mm-hmm. this Philadelphia area. And it really kind of stemmed from having conversations with our customers. Mm-hmm. And them telling us about their concern of being able to get reliable, affordable energy and natural gas to their facilities, and so we really, from our project development team, you know, took a look at all the maps, kind of looked at all the infrastructure that was available in the area to see, you know, what are possibilities, right? You know, what can we do, right? And then we did kind of move across uh, this asset and had a relationship with the company and some people there and started the conversation with them as well and said, look, you have this asset you're not really utilizing currently down in this area, we have customers that have a need, you know, what do you think?
0: Yeah, that makes and it sense. And from there. And this is also, I'm pulling another page out of the, I don't want to oversimplify this thing, but was it hard? I mean, were there barriers, were there hurdles that your team had to overcome in making this vision a reality?
1: Well, I guess we're still working on that process. You know, as with any pipeline project, there are requirements and we are currently going through the federal energy regulatory process of filing our application to build this project and convert the pipeline. Line over, yep. you know there is uh, rigorous and intensive um, environmental reviews uh, that are done as part of that uh, certificate process mm-hmm. as well. So I guess you know it's definitely been ongoing. We've had positive results. We've had support, as I said, from a lot of the customers here. But you know there is a growing you know movement of wanting only clean energy or wanting no infrastructure you know whatsoever. However, you do have a need, and for economic growth to occur, you do have to be able to bring in affordable, reliable energy. Absolutely. And so this project really kind of fits both of those bills.
0: Yeah. And Ginger, I want to actually dovetail into a conversation about growth in the greater Philadelphia region, because I know you and your team are involved with our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia, of which Select Greater Philadelphia is part of. And specifically, you're working with and through our Greater Philadelphia Energy Action Team to really collaborate with other like-minded folks in the professional services world, in the energy space to really identify those hurdles and overcome some of those hurdles. And a lot of what we do at Select Greater Philadelphia is centered on business attraction. How do we get a company who's based somewhere else in the world to look at Greater Philadelphia and say, wow, I didn't realize the infrastructure, the cost of doing business, the quality of life, the access to great talent, in addition to access to great energy resources, is available. What do you share with a prospect who's thinking about establishing operations in this region, or maybe they're already here and they want to expand? What kind of guidance do you give a business like that that needs access to safe, reliable energy assets? And one of the reasons I love asking someone like you in in your position this question is because you do have such a broad portfolio of experience outside the greater Philadelphia region. So you come at it with a, a really thoughtful approach that can compare one community to another and weigh those features and benefits.
1: I mean, I think one of the advantages really of the Philadelphia region is you have the Delaware river, you have access to waterways. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia is centrally located between Washington DC, between New York, you know, fairly close to Boston as well. So you have close proximity to a lot of areas also, I think as part of Philadelphia and its history, having you know, manufacturing uh, facilities, having various brownfield sites as well really does allow companies to come in that do need extra forms of energy mm-hmm. and really be able to grow and prosper in the region. Right. I think, you know, as you mentioned too, nice thing with Philadelphia, you do have some great universities here yep. in town as well, which you said, because it's just as important not only having reliable energy but it is having that talent pool to be able to draw people here as well.
0: Absolutely, especially in the engineering space. And we have world-class engineering universities in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Delaware that are all fueling, hopefully, your team, as well as the projects that are popping up, if you will, along the Delaware River to produce that growth as well. I was hoping you could dive in a little bit more to GP, because (laughs) we're thrilled that New Jersey Resources actually sees the value in being part of this broader community of folks who are Addressing not just the opportunities, but addressing the hurdles and trying to navigate those in a collective way so that everybody benefits. And if you could elaborate a little bit more on why GP is such an important kind of component for the type of work that you and your colleagues are doing.
1: As we mentioned, you know, energy is the basis of everything we do, it's part of our everyday life. Yeah. As we mentioned, we'd sometimes take it for granted. And I think that it's really important, and we as a company think it's important for private and public sectors to really work work. work together, communicate openly, because the best way to come up with good creative solutions is to have a good, diverse background of people talking about the issues, trying to come up with solutions of, you know, how do we make this work?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And that is really a part of what the Greater Philadelphia Action Team, you know, is. And we're thrilled to be part of it because it does allow us that collaborative working relationship.
0: To learn how Ginger got her start in the energy industry and how she believes collaboration across the industry will continue to help drive economic growth, well, head online to hear our full interview, selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast. So Greater Philadelphia is in the midst of an industrial renaissance, and it's being fueled by, well, the energy sector. More on that growth is coming up next. And first... We at Growing Greater, in partnership with our Chamber's Greater Philadelphia Energy Action Team, we invite you to meet leaders like Ginger and other energy industry experts on Wednesday, May 29th, from 8 to 10 a.m. for a special program called Energy Pathways. You'll meet many of the guests who are featured on this podcast series, and you'll learn more about how environmentally sustainable technologies are playing a leading role in the future of energy production. For more details and to register for Energy Pathways presented by our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia and the Energy Action Team, visit chamberphl.com events. That's chamberphl.com events. Guiding the legal, environmental, and regulatory nuances of the energy industry? Well, it takes a special kind of expert professionals who are immersed in the principles and the protocols and the procedures that govern how energy companies can develop and deliver their highly specialized services. And the legal team at Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney, well, they understand that in order to serve diverse energy clients, they need to be well-versed in all aspects of this complex industry.
2: Nobody wants to come to a party that everybody's leaving.
0: That's Buchanan Ingersoll's Jim O'Toole, and his lighthearted observation captures the spirit of the ever-evolving energy sector. What's considered a favorable source of energy today? Well, that can change based on new technologies, distribution factors, costs and many other variables as the former chair of the firm's energy and environmental unit jim founded and co-managed his firm's integrated energy environmental utility and natural resources practices including the oil and gas coal power generation renewable energy utility and environmental practice groups and for almost 30 years jim's practice focused on environmental litigation Without a doubt, Jim O'Toole is an experienced and highly regarded legal expert in the energy sector across greater Philadelphia and around the country and the world. Here, Jim shares why we are seeing a resurgence in the energy sector across our collective community of Delaware and Maryland, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania.
2: I mean, this is unexpected, right? So, I would start, I mean, you can't talk about the energy sector in Philly without talking about the broader disruption in the energy markets that are going on because of natural gas. Right. It's just that simple. I mean, it's not to say that all things emanate from natural gas, but I think you can draw a lot of correlations between the two. So. Pennsylvania, for those of who don't know in your audience, Pennsylvania and Ohio and West Virginia occupy what's called the Marcellus and Utica region for natural gas development.
0: Yep, and they're rock formations.
2: It is rock formations basically of old dead dinosaurs and other carbon material that has stored up gas for, you know, millennia. Yep. And now as a result of being able to go in and target drill or horizontal drill these formations, you're able to extract enormous amounts of natural gas that mm-hmm. was unheard of. This whole region is now number two producer of natural gas in the country, we as a country are heading toward world domination of natural gas production, both domestically and for export overseas. So you have this disruptive force of natural gas coming on. And what does that do? Right. Well, what it does is it starts to displace a couple of things. So when you talk about natural gas, you have methane, the stuff that's in your home that you turn on for a stove mm-hmm. or your heater. And then you've got these liquids, you know, ethane, butane, propane. Let's talk about just the methane for a second, the right. stuff that you turn on. What that does is you can now use that and it's being used in uh, to displace coal as a major source of energy production for electric energy production both here and in the United States. It's just an amazing transformation in a very short period of time where you have a lot of natural gas taking over old, inefficient, and environmentally challenged coal facilities, bringing on this new technology. It's a cleaner technology. And it really, what that does then, having natural gas-fired electricity, that enables you to start that vision of building out the renewables market, which is what everybody has an interest in trying to do. Why? Because they were made for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, Back to the sandwich, this is ham and cheese. Why? Because You've got renewables that wind doesn't blow every day, right. and the sun doesn't shine at night. So what you need to do is have a ready, available, and steady form of electricity to be available what's called the base load, to cover the amount of electricity necessary that we as Pennsylvanians have come to depend on. You know, for example, when the tree falls on the line of some of your listeners, and suddenly they're without electricity, you know what a devastating effect that could have. Totally. And so you need to have a reliable source of that energy, and natural gas has sort of filled that gap. In Pennsylvania, we're also fortunate to have nuclear energy as well, right? And which makes up almost 40% of the, uh, of the generation capacity. So you, you've got this energy disruption going on because you have natural gas disrupting coal, mm-hmm. forming the basis to bring in renewables and expand the renewable market because of its backbone within the grid, and also backstopping some of the old nuclear facilities that are going out of service.
0: Right. And I love that you use the word reliable, and I would add two more that won't surprise you because I know... It's part of your day-to-day nomenclature. But not only does it need to be reliable, it needs to be accessible. Correct. And it needs to be affordable. And that's exactly what the access to this gas coming out of the Utica Marcellus Marcella Shale has been able to do, it sounds like.
2: Oh, it's phenomenal. I mean, in terms of the savings that Pennsylvanians have already reaped on their gas bills is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing that. You're seeing a reduction. And I know that there's a lot of angst around the question of greenhouse gases, and I know that you know, natural gas is certainly not a neutral greenhouse gas producing fuel, but the reality is you're never going to get to the levels of renewables that people are expecting and want to start to drive toward. I mean, just for example, mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania, you only have 5% of the total generation capacity in Pennsylvania is attributed to renewables, 5%. Right. So you want to have a stable market for electricity. You simply can't turn that switch on tomorrow and say, you know, let's put another 200,000 solar panels up or another couple thousand wind turbines. That's going to occur over time. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. But you need a transition fuel to maintain that stability. And that's where natural gas comes in.
0: You also need a transition fuel. Tell me if I'm off base here to actually make it so. We need these fuels to build the future energy assets that will, I don't know if we ever would replace gas and other kinds of fossil Fossil fuels, fuels. but to certainly enhance the complementary service that's provided by renewables like solar and wind.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think you're never going to have the kind of uh, solar and wind development that is sort of envisioned. And so the governor, for example, is coming out with a number of different initiatives. There's a solar initiative Mm -hmm. to try to move the needle on solar, which is, I think at best, maybe 1.3% of the generation of capacity in Pennsylvania is solar, which is virtually nothing. Right. To try to move the needle on that. We have a, a much greater on the wind side, but The only way you can have those kind of big policy changes, in other words, to have that disruption in the marketplace, is to have a base load, solid fuel that's going to be there for the next 100 years, and that's where natural gas steps in.
0: So, folks, we're talking with Jim O'Toole. He's just a kid from Northeast Philadelphia, from St. Leo's Parish. Exactly, who made sandwiches. Yeah, who made sandwiches in Plymouth meeting. He's done pretty good for himself because he's now part of the Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney team, part of their energy practice. And, Jim, I want to pivot to opportunity because access to this gas, whether it's LNG, other kinds of fossil fuels, but mostly this gas, resource that we have, and to your point, we're very fortunate there's a benefit to coming out of the Pennsylvania community, the Ohio, West Virginia community as well, but it is creating an opportunity for business growth, business attraction, not only here in greater Philadelphia, but in other regions of our community as well. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that.
2: Absolutely. I mean, so we talked about natural gas, but the other sort of the other part of that is natural gas liquids. As I said, this butane, propane, Mm -hmm. the the building blocks, if you will, for, for the chemical industry and for the plastics industry. So you have these natural gas and liquids essentially leading the way for an industrial revolution, a new industrial revolution. As you probably know, the industrial revolution in the United States began here in Philadelphia. This is the the birthplace of the industrial revolution. That's right. It's the birthplace of the chemical industry in the United States here in Philadelphia, right in Marcosauk, right outside Philadelphia. Right. So all of this is now sort of coming full circle. You're now getting, you know, a new industrial revolution. And what you want to do is you want to use these resources that are Pennsylvania-based, you know, mm-hmm. these gas and these liquids, you want to use Pennsylvania resources to benefit Pennsylvania working folks. I mean, right. that's really what you want to do. right? And so those opportunities are coming in, you know, a number of different ways. Let's talk about the big ones mm-hmm. and then maybe some of the smaller ones that we're, you know, we're working with at GPeed and that's the Greater Philadelphia Energy Action Team, a terrific yep. organization run by the chamber that involves the entire business community, frankly, on energy issues. We didn't have this before, and it's essential to see the kind of economic growth that we want to get out of this opportunity from natural gas and other energy sources. you got to have it through GP. So, but you have a thought.
0: Absolutely. And I love that you're incorporating GP into our conversation because it is this coming together of not just energy companies, but professional services firms who all are working towards a common goal of maximizing the energy sector in greater Philadelphia for the greater good, to your point, to benefit Pennsylvanians, New Jerseyans, Delawareans and frankly other communities that we can support through exporting when it's appropriate and reasonable to do that as well and I love that you referenced big opportunities and, you know, some that may not be as big because not every opportunity that we're going to engage around is a big opportunity. I know it's all relative. correct? And I'd love for you to expand on that thinking of what is a big opportunity?
2: Yeah, I mean, so the big opportunities is really, if you want to start thinking big, and I think a lot of people do want to continue to think big about this, is to basically use these resources to create a new Gulf uh, processing plants that you normally find on the Gulf Coast mm-hmm. to start to create those Opportunities here in this region. And there's every reason to think that you want to have a secondary source than to have shipping all of your gas or your petroleum into the Gulf Coast. I mean, that certainly is going to be our major source for the United States, but there's good reasons to be close to home here. And what this will inevitably start to blossom into mm-hmm. is. And we're starting to see it now with Shell Cracker coming on and taking these liquids, Mm -hmm. right, and making them into value-added propositions and materials for the plastics and chemical industry. So you're really starting with the big picture tickets going to be petrochemicals, Mm -hmm. right? If you could ask for the Christmas wish list of economic development, you would have modern petrochemical facilities operating certainly in the state, hopefully in the region, which can take our abundance of natural gas liquids as well as this cheap energy mm-hmm. that we're getting in the form of electricity and take them to the next level to use them vertically instead of just shipping out the material for someone mm-hmm. else to get the benefit of. Why not create jobs? Why not create the economic opportunity here? So petrochemicals, I think, is high on my list. Gotcha. The second I think you would sort of look to is what's called LNG, right? Liquefied natural gas. Okay. So a lot of folks probably have already seen that PGW is already putting forth a nice project proposal to do an LNG facility for domestic use that can be used in any number of applications. We can also tell you that there's at least two if not three other developers that are looking at this gas, this plentiful gas, Mm -hmm. and looking to either use it domestically or to move it overseas. So you've got a project up in the northeastern Pennsylvania, which is a big part of the Marcellus, a lot of gas past Scranton area. Sure. So that gas is not getting used, not enough pipes to move it out of there. So people are starting to think about creating opportunities there for LNG. Take that gas, actually liquefy it, move it either by rail or by truck to the coast. And uh, there's a project now that's actually underway that's going to be doing that and taking it to the Caribbean, where they can re-gasify and create electricity much cheaper than if you were using fuel sources. Right. You know,
0: right? And helping communities there the same way we're helping communities Enor- in our region.
2: Enormously, because the, the price of energy is doing nothing but declining as a result of that. You've also right. got another LNG facility. It's potentially going to be up and running uh, down in the Marcus Hook area. They've been working through to move a bunch of this liquefied natural natural gas yep. to asian and european markets to yep. ultimately serve as them you know what really struck me is when i heard that boston right mm-hmm. is buying lng from the soviet union to power boston's Economy, I thought there is something incredibly wrong with that. Right. Right. I mean, why are we not using the kinds of resources that we have here to bring down those exorbitant costs that are up in Boston for electricity and other markets that don't have access to this fuel? So when we start to think about. Big. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about petrochemical development. We're thinking about using high LNG development. We're thinking about manufacturing facilities that need uh, intensive electricity. Right. These are the kind of big projects. But then you get small projects. Yeah. Right? So we're not just all big focus. The GP is now focusing in on doing what we call infill projects. Okay. So you take these old abandoned sites that historically were manufacturing sites, mm-hmm. old many,
0: industrial spaces,
2: yeah, all brownfields. Many of them already contaminated. The beauty of those they're sitting right on the grid. They have access to electric power. They have access oftentimes to rail. So they're wonderful facilities for developing new economic opportunities. And so we're looking at projects, you know, along those lines to sort of of geared towards smaller development on smaller sites. In the biopharmaceuticals we're targeting, aerospace and defense industry opportunities we're targeting. We we talked about chemicals, but sort of smaller scale chemical facilities, food processing and manufacturing, all of which need a lot of energy to operate. and are going to be sitting here with the opportunity of both tying into natural gases, also having great electrical uh, opportunities as well because of low cost electricity. Yeah. Give you an example of what's a success. Kimberly Clark, right? Sure. Right, perfect example. I mean, there's a company that could have easily and probably would have moved its facilities, were coal fired facilities they were doing to make paper. But what they did is they wanted to stay here. They liked the workforce they had here, they liked the opportunities and the access to the market. And so through a cooperative venture that's working with the utilities, working with government, working with uh, businesses like ours, cooperatively coming together, finding a solution for uh, powering that facility by natural gas, you saved a boatload of jobs. so it's good for the jobs in the community. It's good for the taxes of the community. And frankly, it's good for the local economy.
0: To hear more about just what that tipping point may be for the energy sector, go online to selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast to listen to our full interview with Buchanan Ingersoll's Jim O'Toole. Now, as we wrap this episode, let's give a special thanks to the team at Associated Builders and Contractors of Eastern Pennsylvania, also known as ABC of Eastern PA. Their support makes this growing greater podcast possible and allows us to bring you these informative and engaging stories of business success, economic development, and transformational projects. The expert construction professionals of ABC of Eastern PA are literally helping to build the future of greater Philadelphia. They are general contractors and specialty contractors, material suppliers, and industry professionals who have joined together to improve the region's commercial construction industry, and they support merit shop construction. Learn more at abceastpa.org. That's abceastpa.org. Growing Greater is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia, a council of our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Select is the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania, and helps to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses and new jobs to our region. Special thanks to our program producers, Elena Carmazan and Maricela Juarez, along with the great team of marketing and creative services professionals at our chamber. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in anytime and anywhere you get your podcasts or online at selectgreaterphl.com podcast.